the sermon from last Sunday morning on the captain of our salvation. I'm thankful that Jesus is our captain. Amen. Uh, so this morning, if you have your Bibles, uh, I won't be going back to Hebrews chapter 2 just yet. Uh, we will be there today, but I'm going to read one verse out of Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 50. Matthew 27 and verse number 50. Miss Kim does have children's church for any kid that wants to go. All right. If you will, stand with us this morning for the reverence of God's Word. Matthew 27 and verse number 50. The Bible says, Jesus. Can we say amen? amen? Jesus. When He had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Heavenly Father, we bow before You today as humble as we know how. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Father, we thank you, Lord, for another privilege to come into your house with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. Father, I pray that you would touch somebody's heart today, and I pray that you would not let us leave here the same way that we came in. God, if there's somebody here that is bound by chains and fetters of sin in their life, I pray that you would release them and set them free by the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that if there's someone here that is lonely, depressed, God, that is uh, uh, alone. God, I pray that you would draw up close to them uh, and allow them to draw nigh to God, for you said that if we would draw nigh to you, you would draw nigh to us. Father, be with us today. God, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross just for a moment. Lord, help me to preach by the power and the administration of the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, I am nothing without you. God, I cannot preach without you. And God, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit today. Search our hearts today, O oh God. Forgive us of our sin. And God, help us to walk in a plain path. Help us, Lord, to walk in holiness and imperfection. For you are perfect and holy. And Father, we love you today. God, be with us and bless this sermon today. God, bless somebody here. Father, we give you the thanks, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. As I spoke to you last week, uh, in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 1, it says, Therefore we ought to take the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. And we talked to you about a few of the things that Jesus uh, told to the multitude at the uh, Beatitudes uh, there in uh, Matthew chapter 5. And we talked about uh, several things that is going on in today's society uh, that has been socially accepted. Uh, even in the church world, things have been socially accepted. Uh, and these things have caused us, uh, because we have socially accepted them, and because it has become the status quo, we have drifted away from the very thing that Jesus Christ came uh, to help us to get out of. He, he came so that we wouldn't be bound to legalism. But what we see today is a hyper grace and people are taking the grace of God in vain. They are trying to abuse the grace of God. And that's not what God gave us His grace for. He gave us His grace so that we would heed to the Word of God, so that we would apply His Word to our life and so that the grace of God would help us to become holy and righteous and sober 
in this ungodly world. And so uh, today we want to uh, re-preach this morning uh, that Jesus Christ is the captain of our salvation. And He is calling us unto Himself. Uh, last week as I was studying this sermon and as I was praying over this sermon, uh, the Lord reminded me of Matthew chapter uh, 27 and verse 50 where it says, Jesus, when He had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Now last week I told you that the word uh, captain in the Greek is uh, archegos, and it means a chief leader, an author, a captain, and a prince. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 9, uh, the writer calls Jesus the Prince of Peace. Amen. He is the only one that you will find perfect peace in. Uh, Isaiah 26 and verse 3, I believe it is, he says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And so when we keep our minds focused on Jesus Christ and the things of the Word of God, we will find perfect peace even in the midst of turmoil. Uh, but it's we have to keep our minds on Christ. And sometimes that is very difficult to do uh, in the circumstances that we often find ourselves. Uh, but this morning, in order for somebody to be the captain, it means somebody had to experience it first, right? In order for somebody to, to take over and lead, uh, somebody had to have experience and somebody has had to go through the fire, if you will. Somebody has had to go through boot camp, if you will. Uh, Brother Todd knows what I'm talking about. Some of you other uh, veterans in the church today, you know what I'm talking about when I talk about uh, basic training or boot camp. You don't just automatically sign up in, in the Army or the Marine uh, Corps or anything like that, and they automatically make you a colonel. It don't work that way. You don't automatically get promoted to, to one of the highest offices uh, in the military. What happens first? You, you start out as, uh, as somebody in boot camp. And you got to learn. you got to learn the procedures. you got to learn how to be a soldier. Amen? Well, what Jesus Christ done, He became a soldier. Amen? He became a soldier of the cross. He endured the sufferings of, of basic training. He came through life. He, he uh, uh, fought against uh, the wiles of the devil. And he, he was made sin for us. But He knew no sin. Ain't that amazing? How a holy God, from the beginning of time, even before He created the heavens and the earth, and before He created the four-footed beasts and the flying things and, and everything that creepeth on the earth, before that time, He was the colonel. He was the, the king of kings. He was the highest chief. He Listen, He was the highest leader. But He left His royalty. He left His throne to become a human being, to put upon himself the flesh. In John chapter 1, verse 12 or 13, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Ain't that amazing? It's amazing how much God loved us that He took upon Himself the form of a servant. And He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but He lowered Himself even beneath the angels so that He could take upon Himself the flesh of man and walk in this flesh for 33 years. And He done many signs and wonders amongst the people there. And they thought that He was a rabbi, a teacher sent from God, but they did not know that He was the Messiah. 
they did not know that he was going to become the captain of their salvation. If you look, uh, and, and there's a, a couple things that I'm going to preach to you this morning that, that will, I hope, paint a picture of how Jesus is the captain of our salvation. And last week I talked to you that uh, there are things that we should not let, uh, we have let slip, uh, and that is things that we have heard throughout the entire uh, course of life. In verse number two, it says, For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. That word just means honest. means that he will suffer the consequence of his actions. And I've always heard that to every action there is a reaction. To every penalty there is a consequence. To every uh, uh, whatever you can think of this morning. My mind just left me. Uh, but there, when we do wrong, we won't get by with it. Because of God's love, He has to chastise His people. And when we walk out of line according to the Word of God, the Holy Spirit's duty is to whip us into shape. Amen? Uh, it, that's an old country term from Tennessee. You probably hadn't heard it before. But sometimes we got to be whipped into shape. Sometimes we got to go back through basic training. Sometimes we got to go through the rigor and, and, and the 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 uh, the hardships because it's through the sufferings that we are made strong. Because Jesus told Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he said that in your weakness then am I strong. It's in our weaknesses, it's in our in our times of mistakes and our mishaps that we have fallen and that we have fell short, that the chastisement of God comes in our life to re reprove us and to make us better to live for God and to live holy, but it also makes us stronger so that the next time that that sin presents itself in our life, we are strong enough to say no. We have to go through these things. We have to go through these diverse temptations because the Holy Spirit is strengthening us and He is forming us and He is molding us to be the soldier that Jesus Christ wants us to be. That's the jobs. And listen, I don't know very much about the military and I'm not trying to preach on the military. But what I do know is that the, the captain is the one giving the orders. The captain is the one that is going to teach these young people how to grow up and one day take over his reins. And Jesus Christ said that one day we will reign with Him. Ain't that amazing? So this life is our basic training. And He is equipping us. He is strengthening us. He is molding us and forming us so that we too can be partakers in this salvation. So that one day we can reign with Him in the millennial and for all eternity. But it, what I find in verse number 2 is that His teachings are concrete and we have no excuse why we should not obey Him. We have no excuse. And I told you last Sunday that saying, oh, well, I'm just human. You know I can't be perfect. You know I can't, you know, I, I can't stop doing that. I, I can't stop whatever sin may be in your life. We, we use the excuse, well, I'm only human. You ever used it? I have. I've used it. I'm being honest this morning. Can I be honest with you? If you're looking to me as a perfect pastor, friend, you need to look a little further. 
because I ain't him. I'm not, I'm not perfect. I fail and I stumble and I fall. But I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit comes and He convicts me and He chastises me and He, he whips me into shape and He teaches me to deny the ungodliness and worldly lust. As Titus chapter 2 says, so that we can be righteous and sober and godly in this present world. I told you last Sunday uh, that people are watching how we are uh, uh, living this life that we call Christianity. They're looking to see whether or not we are truly who we say we are. And last Tuesday, I had the privilege to preach in Grace's uh, account meeting over in Broken Arrow, and I preached on a race, a race well run. And I talked about how that we start in this race, and there are things that we have to do that will condition ourselves to run the race. And I'm not preaching on that this morning, but there is people, there are bystanders that is watching this race. And if they see you not obeying the teachings of the Word of God, if they see you not abiding uh, by the Word of God in prayer and, and, and submitting yourself unto the Holy Spirit and allowing Jesus to live through you, all they're going to see is a castaway. All they're going to see is an apostate. Now, if you study the word apostate, that means somebody who has left the army. Somebody who was on uh, uh, their home team, who left and went to the enemy, or to the uh, opposing team, and gave them every uh, game plan that the home team had, and then he tried to return to the home team and tried to be back on that home team, and the home team killed him. That's basically what an apostate is. Somebody who's left the army, who went to the enemy's camp, gave them every instruction and every game plan from the home side, and yet he wants to come and rejoin the camp, and he will not, it will not happen. That is the same as in the faith. You continue going down a slippery slope. You continue defying the Word of God. You continue living in open rebellion to the Word of God. Friend, you are headed down a dangerous road that leads to apostasy. And once that happens, I don't know how far you have to go. Okay? I'm not God and I don't know where the line is to how much sin a person has to do before they become apostate. But I do believe that it's possible. And what I, when I say this is that my Bible teaches in Hebrews chapter 6 that somebody who has once tasted of that gift, somebody that has already been on the winning side, somebody that has already received the instructions of the captain, but now is going over to the enemy camp and, and trying to live for, for the enemy, but yet he wants to come back. The Bible says it is impossible for them to come back. So if you feel yourself going down that road of, of disobedience and rebellion, friend, today is the day of salvation, and now is the accepted time Repent today so that you can once again rejoin the army of the Lord and make Jesus the captain of your salvation. His teachings are concrete. Uh, in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse uh, 13, he says, Let us hear the, whole, the, the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of of man. I don't find it ironic there that he said, For this is the whole duty of man. 
in the military, you are on duty. Amen? You have a duty. You have an assignment. You have something uh, that you are responsible of taking care of. And Jesus, He is the captain of our salvation, and He has given us a duty that we are responsible for. We do not just come and get saved and get born again, and then, well, that's the end of it. Well, that's the end of my salvation. I'm saved, I'm, I'm sealed, and, and I'm going to heaven. No, God has called you to be a soldier of Jesus Christ. He has called you to be on duty. He has called you to be on assignment. And our assignment is to know God and to make Him known to other people. Our duty as men and women of God is to fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Look at verse 14. It says, For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Did you know that God even sees in the deepest closet of your heart the things that nobody else knows about, the places that nobody else sees, God sees. And one day the things that, which are done in the dark will be revealed in the light. And one day God will bring every work into judgment. We won't stand, and if you're a child of God, you ought to praise God that you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But I think it will be a fearful thing to stand in the judgment seat of Christ because He will judge His soldiers based on how well they performed on their assignment and on their duty. But those who are not already in the army of the Lord, those who are not already on uh, the winning side, those who have not been blood-bought by the Lord Jesus Christ, they will stand in judgment at the great white throne and they will be judged according to their works. But the child of God, we will be judged differently than the lost person will. Because when we stand before Christ, He's going to look into every secret department of your life and see whether it be good or whether it be evil. And if He finds that we have not done well, if we have been half-hearted, I'm not saying that you have lost your salvation. But what I think the Bible is very clear on is that one who does not do his very best to live holy, righteous, and sober, and godly in this present world will suffer the loss of rewards. And I preached this past Tuesday that when we run in this race, listen, Christ has already won the war. Amen. Can we all agree on that? Jesus Christ, He's already won the war. We're already victors because Jesus, when He again cried with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. The moment that His Spirit left His body on the cross, we became victors. The moment that He arose out of that tomb the third day, we were reigning victorious because He already defeated the war. We're already winners today. 
So even in running this race, and I'm trying to juggle between a race and a war to, to paint the picture this morning, but Tuesday when I was preaching on the race, Jesus Christ, the Bible says, He was the forerunner. He already went before us, and He run the race, and He finished the course, and He became victorious. He won the race. But what He is doing is He is calling us to run in this race so that if we finish well, we will receive rewards. The Bible mentions five different crowns that the believer can receive. And I ain't got time to get in that this morning. But I want, and if you want to know, come to me after service and I'll tell you. But there's five different crowns that a child of God can receive. And I believe that goes for fighting the battle, running the race, whatever it might be. Friend, just be faithful in the calling for who has called you. Just be faithful in where God has placed you. Be faithful in your prayer life. Be faithful in your Bible study. Be faithful in the church house. Be faithful uh, when you witness to somebody. Be faithful at work. I believe that if we will be faithful in all these areas, that we can win in this fight and we can receive the crown. Don't you want a crown? And I'll be honest with you, I want to receive a crown. I've heard preachers say, well, I don't care if I receive a crown or not. I don't care if I have a mansion or not. I Just put me outside and, and put me in a little tent. I'll be fine as long as I see Jesus, as long as I'm in heaven. Why would you think that? Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. Why would you think that? I want a mansion because Jesus said I could have one. Amen? Amen? The crown is not the significance, but I want one. I want a crown because that means that I have done well, that I have pleased Him, that I have been faithful to what He's called me to do. And when we get to heaven, listen, I believe, I don't know if we'll run in or if we'll crawl in. So, some of us might crawl in. But I, regardless, when I get there, Brother Bob, I'm not going to go to, if, if Mom and Dad make it before I do, they're not the first ones I'm going to see. I've got an eternity to go look for them. I'm not going to find my granny or my neighbor. or If y'all make it before I do, I'm not going to look for you the first time. When I first walk through the gates of heaven, the only one that I care about is the one who died for me and became the captain of our salvation. Amen. The only one that I'm looking for when I step inside the gate is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when I receive my crown, I'm going to humbly kneel before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm going to cast my crown at the Savior's feet and say thank you. Thank you. Don't you want something to give to Him? You know, one of my worst fears as a Christian is to be a partaker of this great salvation that Hebrews 2 and uh, 3 talks about. It says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? See, before Christ died, 
when somebody sinned, they had to rely on another man to go before God. And even then, all the shedding of the goat and the rounds and the bullocks and the animals that they sacrificed, all that blood did was cover their sin. It didn't do away with it. It didn't take it away. That blood just covered it. And the reason why this salvation is so great is because we have a great Savior who laid down His life as a lamb that was led to the slaughter, yet He opened not His mouth. As a sheep dumb before her shears, yet He opened not His mouth. He's a great Savior because He laid down His life and He became the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. So that when we sin, all we have to do is go back to Him and say, Father, I have sinned. Forgive me. I repent. And you know what? He will. Amen? He will forgive you just as the moment from the time that you got saved. I've been saved now for almost 11 years. March of 2021 will be 11 years that I've been living for the Lord. And in those 11 years, I have sinned multiple times. Amen? If you it, it, Listen, if you've been saved for 20 years and you said you've never sinned today, you're lying. And you need to get an altar this morning. But I can tell you that in the 11 years that I've been saved and born again, that I have fallen and I have sinned. But you know what? I just go back to Him. And I repent. And I ask Him to forgive me. I ask Him to help me. I ask Him to strengthen me so that I don't fall to that sin anymore. And you know what? The moment that I repent, I am forgiven just as the day that I got saved. When He took all my sin away, the day that I got saved. Well, 11 years, uh, 10 and a half years later, tomorrow when I sin, today when I sin, and I go to Him and I repent, you know what? I'll be forgiven just as the day 10 years ago. Friend, if you're walking in sin today, you can be forgiven. And He won't just cover your sin. He'll take your sin away. Because He is the captain of our salvation. It's a great salvation because it's a great plan. He said, whosoever will, let him come unto me. Let him call upon me. He said, whosoever shall call upon my name, they shall be saved. That's a pretty great great plan, ain't it? It doesn't exclude uh, Todd or Bob. doesn't exclude me. doesn't exclude Justin. doesn't exclude the Russians. Did you know something that Jesus Christ died for Adolf Hitler? He did. The very man who persecuted God's people, Christ died for him. Did you know that Jesus Christ died for Joe Biden? Did you know that Jesus Christ died for Donald Trump and their wives? Did you know that Jesus Christ died for the Canadians and the Mexicans and the Africans and the Haitians and the Guatemalans and all these different nationalities and countries that we see? Jesus Christ 
laid down His life to become the captain of their salvation. That whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Friend, today, I don't know everybody's name here this morning, but if you were in uh, sin today, Christ died for you. When He cried with a loud voice, He yielded up the ghost, and He died. That's why I read Matthew 27, 50 this morning. Because when He yielded up the ghost, He died. People say, well, He went into an unconscious state. No, He didn't go into an unconscious state, friend. He wasn't unconscious for three days. He was dead. See, an unconscious person still has life remaining in them. Their blood, their heart is still pumping. Their blood is still flowing. They may be in a coma and they may not know where they're at, but they're still alive. Friend, Jesus Christ, every ounce of His blood on the cross flowed down for you to forgive you of your sin, to wash away your sin, and to purge us from the unrighteousness that was in us. Jesus Christ died for the ungodly. You say, well, Ben, I ain't ungodly. I'm not a drunkard. I've never murdered anybody. I've never been a sex trafficker. I've, I've never done this or I've never done that. But here's the bottom line, friend. That when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, it cursed humanity. Every one of us are born into sin. Every one of us are ungodly. And there is no one deserving of the righteousness of God. For our righteousness is as filthy as rags. But friend, Jesus became the captain of our salvation. And He died for the ungodly so that we might be born again. And that we might be cleansed. I've got to hurry. I'm not going to get all this. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Thankful for that. John chapter 1 verse uh, 17 this morning. John chapter 1 verse 17. It says, And of His fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He is truth. And therefore, everything that He tells us to do as the captain of our salvation has no need in being questioned. Todd, when you have men under you, you give them a, a command, do they ever question you? Because they know that the captain's in charge. They know the captain knows what's best for them. Because as hard and as uh, uh, mean as the captain may seem, I can promise you this, that 90% of the time, maybe even higher than that, that captain has his soldier's best interests in mind. And I can tell you this, 100% of the time, Jesus Christ has the best interest of His children in mind. So when He tells us 
to do something. We can know that He is telling us out of love because He has our best interest in His mind and He knows what's best for us. So why question Him? See, a lot of times uh, people that disagree with what Jesus teaches, we question it because, well, it don't really fit our lifestyle. Well, that's too hard. And we get mad at the preacher and say, well, that's too much. That's too hard preaching for me. I can't take it. But listen, the captain of our salvation, he's who has commanded that I tell you what his word says. I am to preach the whole counsel of the word of God. I am to preach the whole duty of the word of God so that it enables the soldiers of God to rise up and to stand when everybody else is bound to the things of the world. You have to be strong. I believe it's in 2 Timothy. He said, be strong in the, the Lord Jesus Christ and be a good soldier. I'm going to skip. I was going to preach on uh, uh, how that uh, Jesus, He uh, came to take back over the dominion of man. See, in the Garden of Eden, God gave Adam dominion over all the animals, over all the vegetation and everything. Man was in dominion of, oh, he was in, in charge of all that. But when he sinned, God took that dominion away. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he redeemed that power and that dominion. Now I'll read verse number eight, and then I'll move on to verse number nine and ten. It says, Thou hast put all things in subjection under His feet. For in that He put all in subjection under Him, He left nothing that is not put under Him. But now we see not yet all things put under Him, but we see Jesus. I love that. But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for the, the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that He, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. See, that's why He became the captain of our salvation. Because He tasted death for every man. Because that's what we all deserved. Listen, you, you might be the finest person in Creek County. You might be the best person in the United States of America. But if you didn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you would face a physical death and an eternal death. Because that is what every man and woman deserve. We all deserve death. We all deserved the lake of fire. A place called hell. It don't matter how big... Listen, ain't it crazy how humans are, how, how we as people are, because we think, well, if somebody lies to us, that ain't as bad as somebody going and being a mass murderer. But in God's eyes, it's the same. In God's eyes, a mass murderer is just as guilty as the best moral person around who might have told one little lie, who might have stole a little money. We categorize sin based off of importance. But God doesn't. God bases sin off of sin and the rebellion of, uh, against Him. And therefore, all sin will be judged the same way. 
The mass murderer who does not accept Christ will be judged the same way as the preacher who never got born again or the deacon that never got born again or the Sunday school teacher that never got born again. They will be judged just as a mass murderer will. They will be judged just as Adolf Hitler will if he didn't accept Christ. I pray that he did get saved. I pray that he did get right with God. I pray that he did become a part of this great salvation. We should want that for everybody. No matter their importance in their social status, it should be our desire to see every man born again and partakers of this great salvation by the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number 10 this morning says, For it became him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. See, I think it's, I think it's pretty crazy that somebody will get right with God and will uh, come and repent of their sins and be born again, and then they think it's a cakewalk. They'll say, well, I never had this hard of a time when I, when I wasn't saved. Listen, He's making your salvation perfect through your suffering. Because He had to endure the sufferings to become the captain of our salvation. We also must be partakers of His sufferings. In Isaiah chapter 53, and I'm coming to a close I said I'm coming. I didn't say I'm closing. I said I'm coming to a close. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Ain't that good? I love that verse. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. If you study the Hebrew, that word bruised, it means crushed. He was crushed for our iniquities. You know, I believe that's why in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke chapter 23, the Bible says that and His blood or His sweat became as great drops of blood. And that is physically possible. I've never sweated that much. But according, uh, I believe I heard it from a preacher, but according to the medical uh, field, that when somebody is under extreme agony and extreme stress, that they, they stress so much and, and, and they, their stress becomes sweat and they're sweating uh, uncontrollably that over a, a certain amount of time their sweat will become as blood. And Jesus, can you imagine the stress that was on him. I mean, he literally. You ever felt like you had the weight of the world on you? Listen, even in the midst of that, when you say, man, I've just got the weight of the world on me. Multiply that by a million, and that's the weight that Jesus was carrying. Because he not only was carrying the weight of the world on him, but he was carrying the sins of all human life. On him. Not just the sins of his time period, 
Okay? Not, not just, and, and we think that he just carried the sins for our generation. No, he carried the sins of the past, the present when he was alive, and the future. Meaning, he knew all of us was going to be sinners. And that all of us was going to need a Savior. And all of us was going to need somebody to forgive our sin and to pay our sin debt. And all that was on him in the midst of that garden. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, with his stripes, we are healed. Charles Spurgeon, the great theologian, said that God looked up, uh, looked upon our sin as a disease that needs a divine healing. Because if he treated it as a criminal appearing in court, we would immediately fall beyond the reach of hope and be sentenced to eternal death because we couldn't and will not answer for or defend ourselves. We had no defense. We're all guilty. Without excuse. But I'm glad that Jesus Christ became the captain. He became the author and became the leader. Isaiah 53 verse 9 9 through 12 says, And he, he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord, and that word Lord in all capitalized letters is uh, El Shaddai, God Almighty, shall prosper. Uh, uh, to, it, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Uh, by, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spool with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Jesus, over 400 years prior to his birth, Isaiah prophesied about Jesus, about his death of how much suffering and agony and torment Jesus would go through to save humanity. To make perfect the captain of their salvation through suffering. It had to be that way. I think it was Wednesday night here at church that I said it's still the blood and I was talking about Cain and Abel and how God accepted Abel's sacrifice. Because it was bloodshed. He brought before God a firstling of his sheep. I'm glad this morning that Christ became the first fruits. He became the firstling of our salvation, laid down his life so that we could be saved. So this morning, Is Jesus the captain of your salvation? Have you answered the call? I remember, uh, and I don't know if they call it this anymore, but old preacher friend of mine, he he was one of the first 
pastors to really use me a lot as a young minister. He told a story one time when he was in the army. He said, man, I just sometimes you just get bummed out. He said, sometimes you just get discouraged and don't feel like going to duty. You, you, you don't feel like doing what you're there to do. But he said, occasionally, he said, I have to remind myself to re-up, to motivate myself, to encourage myself. And he said, sometimes it's the same way in our spiritual walk. Sometimes we just get so lazy and so burdened down with things that we don't want to do what God has told us to do. Sometimes we just don't feel like it. But he said, then I have to remind myself to re-up because he's called me to be a soldier. And in 2 Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy, I believe it is, he said, to fight the good fight of faith. Let me see if I can find that for you real quick. 1 Timothy, and I'll close with this if y'all will stand to your feet. 1 Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 12, it says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate, witnessed a good confession that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in His times He shall show who is the blessed and only uh, potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Fight the good fight of faith. And listen, if you don't have a good captain, if you, if you don't have a good leader, it's very hard to fight in the war. But we have a great captain. Amen. We have a great captain this morning because he's already went before us and he's already defeated sin. He's already defeated hell. And he's already kicked the devil in the rear end. And he is triumphant. He is the King of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. And if you do not profess him to be in your life now, the Bible says one day that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. I believe I'd rather do it here than to be forced to. Will you make Him the captain of your salvation today? Will you re-enlist, re-up, 
get motivated, live for the Lord, open your Bible this week, read it like you've never done it before. Sometimes we need a... a uh, I don't know what you call it, but sometimes we just need our salvation to be fresh to us, don't we? We need a refreshing. That's the word. Maybe you're kind of bummed out. Maybe you're not seeing what, what the fight's all about. Maybe you've got lazy and you walk with Christ. Maybe you just got bored with it. That's okay. It happens to all of us. We're human. Sometimes our salvation just get we get bored with it, don't we? I think today it'd be a great day for us to have a refreshing. A refreshing. To come and ask the Lord to bring a refreshing in our life. To stir us up again. To give us an unction again. And to set us back on the battlefield and fight this fight for Him because He's already won the war. I want to give you a moment to pray. This altar is open if you would like to use it. I know there's needs in everybody's life. And listen, because He is the captain of our salvation, He can help you. He can help you.